You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Hello and welcome to the 602 Club, Trek FM's local watering hole, where we just sit back and talk about a movie or a franchise or just anything that's striking our fancy this week. And and this week, I'm so excited because, uh, well, striking both of our fancies is a brand new Netflix release, The Christmas Chronicles, starring none other than legend Kurt Russell as the jolly man himself, and with me to talk about this fantastically jolly film is none other than the king of jolly, John Mills. Ha <laughs> the king of jolly. The king of folly, some might say. But yes, I'm <laughs> delighted as always to be here in the 602 Club, Matt. Uh, well, I mean, I I don't know how, uh, I mean, we've decked the halls here, you know, the the sleigh bells <laughs> ring. Uh, are you listening? Uh, I am. I am. Do and you I hear what say, I hear? This, you know, this uh, hot buttered rum was the perfect choice for tonight, you know, as we, we talk about a, uh, well, well, I guess we'll have to figure out if it is a new Christmas classic. Oh, yes. That'll be a fun discussion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before we dive in, of course, don't forget, you can find the 602 Club wherever you get your podcasts. We're all over the place uh, from iTunes to Google Play to Spotify, I mean, pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts, you can find the 602 Club. Uh, if you are over on iTunes, though, uh, give us a star rating review. It's been a while since we've had one, and so uh, appreciate everybody who does that, but it does help people find the show, and uh, if you do, I will mention you and your review on the show. So uh, you can find us on Twitter at TrackFM or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. If you would like to be part of the conversation with all of the fans of TrekFM, with all of the different shows we have, you can join the Babel Conference. That is on Facebook. Type Babel into that search field there. Or go over to the website at track.fm and any of the show pages. You can hit discussion, and that would let you into the group. Uh, and also, while you're over at track.fm, you can go to track.fm slash contact. Choose a show. Choose the 602 Club, and you can send us an email. So uh, lots of different ways to get in touch with us. But... um. John, I wanted to uh, start here, and, you know, Santa Claus is a character that we usually don't have as kind of a main character in a, in a movie. I'm trying, I'm thinking of films where he kind of is the main character, like The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Uh, right. You've got um, Miracle on 34th Street, where he's very much a main character, um, but there are not a lot of films that really focus, I think, on Santa Claus as a character. And so anytime that you do that, I think one of the main questions becomes, how are you portraying the character? I wanted to ask you kind of right up front, Kurt Russell comes in with a very unique take on Santa Claus. And how do you think that works? And what do you think he kind of adds to 
the Santa Claus lore, and on top of all of that, does he become a a Santa Claus to which now you kind of have in your brain when you think of Santa Claus? And that's I've said a great Santa question. Claus so many times, it doesn't even make yes. sense anymore. Well, that's that's the SEO value of your statement, but I I will say that yeah, Kurt Russell, you're you're. You're absolutely right. Santa Claus, I think, is avoided as a main type of character because it's difficult. We all have a set notion of who Santa Claus is, how he behaves. There's sort of a cultural agreement that we have these baseline sort of things. Old, beard, happy-go-lucky, jolly guy, goes around. And it's so easy, I think, to overplay that. And there are times where they've had a Santa Claus character in a movie and it sort of doesn't work as well as it should. And it's very important to come at a character like this that's so well as if you're going to make a movie about Santa Claus, you would better have an angle that is completely skewed. It, it Not 180, because again, we want our Santa Claus. That's why we're watching. We want right. Santa Claus to be Santa. But you better have something that gives me a reason to see this. And I I do think that Kurt Russell, it's such a sly, subtle performance of the guy that you know has the heart of gold, but he's trying to get a job done, and how he's lovably frustrated. He's never angry. He's never at the end of his rope. But there are moments where you can tell it's maybe a little bit of, oh, come on, what do I have to do now? But I just think that there's so much underlying joy that Kurt Russell brings to the character and expresses throughout the movie that, yeah, I can easily buy this as Santa Claus. You know, it's funny because I was thinking to myself, uh, I've gotten to see it twice now, luckily. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, mm -hmm. And... I think the thing that I, I really reacted to is just how it felt like maybe one of the most strangely realistic takes on Santa, like the, as if Santa was a real person, right? You know, like this is their job every year for hundreds, even thousands of years uh, to have been Santa Claus and to still have that joy, still have that that Christmas spirit, that love. Uh, of what he does, and I, I think that's the thing that I, I really responded to the most is is what you were kind of talking about. You can tell that this is this is this is who he is. This is what he does. This is um, this is every this is everything that he is about. Um, and yet at the same time, uh, to have something like this happen to him is definitely out of the ordinary. But it's not something to which he um, either gets angry or really frustrated by. He uses an opportunity to, I think, transcend what we even think of Santa Claus being about, which so much of the time I think we always think of Santa as just the guy who brings the presents. But really, right. I feel like this movie did such a great job of showing Santa Claus as caring about the whole person and that the present could be whatever it is that that person really needed and wanted the most, which could be something that didn't even have anything to do with something material. Um, it could right. be something that uh, was relational. And the best presence that Santa gives in this this 
movie has nothing to do with somebody got a skateboard. It has everything to do with healing relationships and helping relationships because in the end, that's kind of really the true meaning of Christmas in this film, which is that Christmas is about our relationships with each other. It's not about what we give each other. It's about the relationships that's fostered because of how we sacrifice and what we give to one another because we love each other. And I just thought that was, I mean, a, a, when we talk about Christmas, so much time is it, it gets to that kind of materialistic sense of the word. And Christmas has actually become just another word for materialism uh, gone amok, it seems like. But this movie kind of brings it back. And, and the again, the best gifts that Santa gives to people have to do with restoring and healing relationships that have been broken, which I thought was actually really beautiful. Or, or even, you're right, and, and I would add on to that, or even dignity, because you have the interaction with the cop who's going through the divorce who wishes it wasn't that way. That speaks to the, you know, partially to the relational thing mm-hmm. that, that you're talking about, but also just the baseline dignity, because this is a minor spoiler. If you haven't seen it, but you're still listening to this, this is, a, this is just a scene that happens where Santa ends up in jail. And what does he give those people? Yeah, there are gifts involved, but what does he give those people in jail? But a sense of uh, not forgiveness per se, but a sense of you're still a person. You know, you still have an opportunity here Mm -hmm. to do something joyful and happy. Let's get back in touch with that. And I think that speaks to your point about the fact that the, the holiday centers around this whole idea that we're supposed to be going around recognizing everybody's dignity and worth and saying, hey, you know what? It's okay. You can find your way. You can get out there. You can do your thing. And I just thought, like, it's so it's so strange to be looking at something like this movie, which you would, would you expect something with such a deep message in a... I, I hate to be dismissive like this, but oh, it's a Netflix original. That's not that's not yet carried the same sort of significant weight that like a a, mm-hmm. a TV special did back when we only had like yeah. you know, four, <laughs> channels four channels and stuff yeah. like that. It's not quite the event that that is, but this is an argument for why it should be because you get the feels and you get the message and you get the meaning in there. And what a special treat that it is that it's I mean, this movie in and of itself is that gift of, hey, remember when it was fun to just go along with it and have a good time? Why don't we do that? I love that. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, it's that line, too, when you're talking about what Santa gives the um, people in jail, which is, you know, he, he says, you know, people need Christmas. Christmas reminds people how good they can be. You know that, the, the, and and it's not just how good they can be. Period. It's 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 couched in that whole idea of how good they can be to each other. And mm-hmm. you know, I think in a world that's just rife with people being awful to each other um, daily and constantly on social media, you know, to have a movie that kind of moves us back towards that idea, in much the same way, you know, that Charlie Brown Christmas, every time you watch it, it kind of moves you back towards the true meaning of Christmas. What is this about? It's about something so much more than just, you know, giving and getting. Um, 
I love that that Santa, like you said, he's taking care of everyone. And and actually, spoiler alert, the whole point of Santa in this film is that he never really needs the kids' help, but he knows what they need. And Mm -hmm. what they need to be able to come together as brother and sister and then come back together as a family is to have this adventure with him and to feel like they have gotten out of their situation because so they can have some perspective and be able to come back to what's truly important through this journey. And I thought, you know, that's what I kind of loved about this Santa is that, again, it's it's not about the presence, but it's about the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a- absolutely. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned, uh, you know, the the two kids at the center of everything, because I think that they speak as well to the fact that it's not just Kurt Russell that is brilliant casting in this film. That they got great people across the board. It, it is it is actually less common than I, I think sometimes we all uh, you know acknowledge that every single cylinder in terms of casting fired and as I as I think about it the reason it shouldn't surprise us is because the the producer on this as advertised is Chris Columbus and if there's anybody who I think their name should carry with it an implicit trust that the team, the production team from the director to the producer to everybody else is going to find the right talent for the roles. His name carries a lot of weight with that. I mean, you know, he's the one that found the people who made the Harry Potter franchise work and stuff like that. I think he has a real knack for it. And, and that doesn't take anything away from the director or anything. I'm just saying like, he seems to know that magic to encourage people to find the right person for each role. And, I thought that the kids did such, I, you know, it's no secret that I have three daughters and so I'm a sucker for a well-cast daughter role and I instantly fell in love with this kid, like amazingly instantly fell in love. She's got this sparkle to her that is really wonderful and, you know, Teddy, the older brother, just great casting because he plays a surly teenager without being meta- or ironic, he re- you really believe that he's a good kid who's just having trouble finding his way. And I just think that those two kids are so key, and they play off of Kurt Russell so well. And it, which, you know, to get back to the not being surprised thing, Kurt Russell always brings out good performances from those around him. So I just think that they found a great trio to power this and uh, and keep it moving forward. And, you know, the supporting cast, too. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think, um, you know, Judah Lewis uh, and Darby Camp were great choices for the kids. And I, I felt like one of the things that uh, watching it is that they never went way overboard with their role. You know, um, she felt like the annoying little sister and he felt like the surly older brother uh, who doesn't want to care, but he does care. Uh, and I thought they played those those uh, tensions really well, you know, especially uh, Judah Lewis, where, you know, he's being a jerk and he's about to tell her that Santa Claus doesn't exist and he can't quite bring himself to be that much of a jerk to her. And so he says something else. And 
you know, I, I felt like that was just a really well done scene and it showed the dimension of these different kids. And and what was also interesting is that the whole movie for them is predicated on the fact that this is the first Christmas without their dad, who has died in the line of duty as a firefighter. And they're both, the, the whole family is struggling with how to deal with this because Christmas as we see at the beginning, has been a big part of their family, and it's been a huge family celebration. And before he died, this was a very tight-knit, very close family uh, who was doing really well. And this, this, the loss of this father has really shaken everything up. And watching every part of the family deal with that, especially the two kids, was was fascinating. And I really thought that what brought that out was the moment that these two kids go by the church. And I I think it's interesting because Chris Columbus has this thing (laughs) with churches and kids. We saw it in Home Alone and we see it here. And there is that moment where they pass the church and they hear the song, which was their dad's favorite. And they begin to talk about their dad and the loss of him. And then they both mention that they haven't been to church in a while. Yeah. Since he's he left. And I thought it was so interesting because this movie has so much more to say about faith and all of those kind of things than just your surface line thing. Like they're they're tying faith into Santa Claus and your, yourself and family and, and something even more all together. And I thought that was really good because in the end this movie it became about the the way that that faith kind of saves this family. Like faith in themselves because they have faith in their family because they also have faith in something else bigger than themselves which happened to be Santa Claus and that faith actually leads them to transitioning from selfishness to selflessness and both of the kids kind of move through that um, by finding a way to be selfless towards one another instead of being selfish as they have been throughout the beginning of the movie. And this whole adventure with Santa Claus brings that out. And I thought that was just, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's like if you're watching a family movie like this, these are the kind of things, and especially a Christmas movie, these are the kind of things that you want to be reminded of in a way that is fun and vibrant, but also, you know, you get to those moments where it's it's emotional and i think the kids did a great job of, of being able to pull that off and and pull that those themes through yeah and i think to to piggyback on what you're saying which is spot on i think that there's uh an acknowledgement and calling back to home alone but then also uh with with the kids discussion here the role that pain has in eroding your faith and mm-hmm. also the pain that's caused from losing faith in what what have you let's just take santa claus santa claus becomes a symbol for the faith of a child and what a painful thing it is to lose that to go into the world with a more cynical you know teddy is moving into the more cynical mindset right nothing's real it's all a waste it's all a sham it's all a lie and the the need to preserve some sense, some semblance of hope, whatever you want to pin it on, the idea underlying everything that you got to find something to hang on to. You can't just go through 
from moment to moment just existing. There's got to be something that lights that fire. And I think that is really the most interesting way that Santa Claus winds up being a, um, you know, the, the allegory or the metaphor or what have you within the context of this film is that they're not even with Santa 100% of the time, right? And so there's almost this message of that thing that you have faith in, it ebbs and it flows, but you can hold on to it when, even when you think it's not there, you can hold on to it. And I think that's a, you know, that's a really beautiful thing and mm-hmm. I, wonderful to include. Well, and, and, and I thought it was really interesting too because it becomes that thing of, of when you move from, I think, faith like a child to um, a more reasoned faith and, and what is it you're putting your faith in? It has to be something that can withstand the test of, of trials and tribulations. And I think what we what we get in the film is the 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 uh, situations that the kids are put in with Santa give them that opportunity to be able to work towards those. Um, and you know, uh, I I really liked the scene, you know, at the end where, um, and I, I I think that this is really beautiful because Teddy doesn't think that he can do it, you know, which is to get the sleigh to go up. And, and Santa says, it's not you believing that you can do it. It's you believing in yourself the way that your father has, the way that your sister, your you know, the way that I have. And there's that beautiful point of, and I, I understand this so well, where, you know, you spend so much of your life, you make mistakes or whatever, you get down, something bad happens, and you really begin to doubt yourself. And it's only when you begin to to believe um, in yourself and, and see the yourself the way other people see you and, and, and maybe, you know, whether it's God or something else sees you, uh, that you can really truly overcome. And that moment there I thought was a really nice kind of beautiful moment because it's, it's such a true moment, you know, it, it, you know, and it shows the importance of what people in our lives, like family, like friends, like, you know, uh, God or whatnot mean to having an act a, a successful life that can overcome trials and tribulations like the loss of family or you know something awful like that happening. Well, yeah, I, I mean it's um it's certainly something where uh, I I think especially as you get older uh, and certain tests come up, uh, you know what you know when I when I lost my parents both times it was. You know, it's a blow it, and it, it takes something out of you. It takes some wind from your sails. But yeah, you know, you're right. It, that message of trusting others when they there, there is there is a trust that you need to have that when somebody says to you, I believe in you, you believe them. You trust that they're telling you. You don't reject it. And so that scene where where Santa says, you know, as as we've all believed in you basically you got to believe in yourself it's teddy learning to trust what other people are saying to him that there is somebody special inside there that there is somebody worthwhile and what's so uh fun you know the the fun flip side of that is that it's santa comes across so early in a um 
like a bumbling way, like when they first go into the the pub to try to get money for a cab. And it's so subtle because somebody offers money and he turns it down and he goes in and you see that he's sort of testing everybody. It's like, who's naughty and who's nice? The first person. Oh, you're nice. Okay. No, 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 no. Keep your money. I'm just going to be going along and he tests everybody and he finds out and even has that offhand comment oh, <laughs> i hope you like coal yeah. you know but <laughs> but he goes from this semi bumbling sort of type to once the plot starts moving along and you do realize that he's never been out of control i think that helps give that scene with teddy so much more impact because you realize that it's about being given the opportunity to prove you can believe in yourself too, you know, continually giving somebody the opportunity to step up to the plate as it were. And I just will say too, I mean, I think spiritually it is that thing about, you know, is, is God ever not in control or is right. he just allowing things to happen to you because you, he knows you need the lessons, right? I think that's exactly what Santa is doing with both of these kids. These kids need this experience to be able to move forward with their lives without their father. But, but in some ways, they need to kind of come to terms with who their father was and the sacrifice that he made. And that's something that's really big in this movie is coming to terms with sacrifice because Teddy— especially has a very hard time with the fact that his father went out to save other people and left them. And so there's that sense of frustration and anger and uh, for the, the abandonment that he feels from his father. But at the same time, he never got a chance to tell his father how proud he was of him for what he did. And so he feels guilty. And so there's this whole thing about coming to terms with what sacrifice means and that sometimes it means that things like this happen that you don't get the opportunity to say goodbye. You don't get the opportunity to say you love someone, you know, like, and I thought that that was just a really, it's just a really well done conversation about how that goes. Well, I also thought it was really nice uh, because one of my daughters, cause you know, we were watching it, you know, all together. Um, when Teddy kept saying there was one thing I wanted to say to him, before he left it's such a trope by this point that my my eldest daughter said "Ugh, I love you you know like it's this expected thing I thought it was such a nice riff on it that at the end of it the you find out what he wanted to tell his dad was I'm proud of you and then to hear back I'm proud of you and how important it is how that carries its own weight but I think it also speaks to how uh, how well scripted so much of this is, is the fact that he, you know where it's going, but then it goes off on this little parallel road. It never goes, it goes where you expect, but never quite in the way you expect it. And I think that's really uh, one of the things that makes all of it work and gel, you know, so incredibly well. And I, I you know, I know that I'm gushing about it and I I just can't really kind of help that um, because I, I just think that this is one of those cases where the people making this movie got it. 
they knew what people, this isn't um, the same sort of cynical hodgepodge that gets put together of recently I watched, for instance, B-Movie for the first time, the Jerry Seinfeld animated movie. And my comment coming out of that was it felt like a room full of people sitting there saying, what are kids like? Well, they like that. Let's put that in there. Oh, well, they like that. Let's put that in there. There's a real sense in this of people who understand storytelling in the sense that they understand you want to give, you you need to put in there what works, not what you think people are going to respond to. I I like that you brought that up because I do think that this movie feels like a throwback to the more earnest Christmas films. And I I think... um, that's something where it was interesting, you know, Elf did that, where it had the earnestness and the cynicalness side by side, and what wins out in the end. It's the earnestness. You know, we want mm-hmm. that feeling that it's okay to be okay with cheesiness, that it's good yep. for us to experience that. And, and, and maybe we're the ones that are wrong for being so cynical all the time, and maybe that's really what's wrong with the world is the fact that we live in a world that has become so cynical that we cannot enjoy the simple things like family and friends and um, the idea of magic and fun and joy, you know, and and this movie is so full of those things. And I, I don't think that it doesn't in the way it doesn't in a way that it doesn't earn those things because you have those characters kind of have to make that journey, specifically Teddy. Um, and even uh, watching the, the police officer, you know, who doesn't want, who want mm-hmm. doesn't want to believe in Santa, even when he's pulling out all the things that he ever wanted truly for Christmas, which... Including a vintage Han Solo Kenner action figure, yes. which my wife made fun of me because when Santa pulled that out, my reaction was an audible... Oh, as if I was sitting there in its presence. Like, it's so amazing, the Pavlovian response that we have. I'm sorry to cut off, but like when you brought that scene up. I I mean, I had the same one. Um, And so I I think that, you know, you see those different characters who have to make that arc. And and you really do. You see the problem with the the kind of the world that we live in, that, that people would be so even seeing isn't even believing it takes a movement of the heart and that that faith comes from the heart it's not from seeing um and i mm-hmm. i think that's the thing that um yeah i mean you just you need faith faith of the heart yes you i know? i was waiting for you to get there i so, really i really you really know was. yeah i mean it's the enterprise reference and this show is named after an enterprise reference too so there we go we got full circle um perfect yeah it's it's i i and i i think i mean i i was watching this a second time and i was finding myself there were there were places where i was just i was personally very emotionally invested in some of the things that were happening and some of the struggles here you know when the mom who is played by the amazing Kimberly Williams Paisley, who I've loved since she was in father of the bride. Um, you know, I fell in love with her then still love her now. 
And, you know, where she's talking about how what she really wants for Christmas is just her kids to get along. And she's mentioned like how dad would have this place and then she kind of stops herself. Like there's there's this real emotion because there is this missing person in their lives. And I think um, those kind of things are played throughout the film really, really well. Uh, I I mentioned the the moment uh, where the kids are talking about. in front of the church and then there's that beautiful moment at the very end of the film where they walk in with their mom um and the whole house has been decorated and she says this is all i wanted for christmas was was just basically for her kids to be getting along and for her her family uh to to be as whole as it can be and to feel like they're going to make it um, you know, even without this linchpin that's it's gone. And I just thought, you know, it's so it's so nice to see a movie that just just goes there, you know, to those heartfelt moments, but in a way that I didn't feel felt like a Hallmark movie. They were you're just like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh that that you know, that's that's the thing. That maybe it's um yeah, I guess that's back to that thing of like, it, this doesn't feel assembly line. This feels like it's put together with love. You know, it's the difference between like a handcrafted piece of art and something that you buy that's like, you know, printed by the thousands on a tin sign. And, you know, and the, it's like, you know, they, hey, they, they both have their place sort of thing. But like, this is that lovingly handcrafted ornament that you put on the tree. And I, the the thing is, you know, while we gush about it, the the one thing there were there were two things about this where I thought they were missteps uh, of a sort. Uh, the first one, the primary one, because visual effects wise, I can work with anything, you know, whatever. But the primary one was, I thought, very cute. Um, in in the sense that it it winds up being an unintentional callback, or maybe it's intentional. I don't know. But where Teddy ends up with the Chop Shop gang is the my very first knee-jerk reaction was this feels like it's straight out of Adventures in Babysitting. <laughs> and which yeah. another Star Trek tie-in for y'all, Anthony Rapp's in that movie. And I uh I said, wow, yeah. And I started thinking about it and I confirmed it afterward. Yeah, Chris Columbus directed that movie. So it's it makes perfect sense that something like that was grafted in because it's stealing cars is a crime and it's wrong and it's immoral, but it's not the same as like dealing drugs or right. hitmen or stuff like that. It's there's a little bit of a you know, little bit of a, a gray area there where there's danger yeah, implied I mean, without know, it being overbearing. Gone in 60 seconds. Uh, you know, we kind of every once in a while yeah. glorify this kind of... Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's it's not the same yeah. as like... I mean, for a kid's movie and a family movie, yeah, you don't want these to be like cocaine dealers. <laughs> right. I, I just I just thought that the transition... Because they Al Pacino. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, oh, God. Scarface meets Santa. Make that one, Netflix. <laughs> that so, sounds like uh, a movie that Quentin Tarantino would direct. <laughs> Tony Montana wanted to conquer the North Pole. But Talk about the, white powder. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's an endless supply. Um, but but that's the one thing like that. 
in terms of the the flow of the movie, it just was clunky. Like it's the one point in the movie. I wanted to get your read on it because it was the one moment where it popped in my brain. I was sitting there watching it. And besides the adventures and babysitting thing, I just said to myself, there were better ways to get to this point of getting it, you know, of getting people back together. And the it just didn't mesh with the rest of the movie. Like tonally, it just felt like a misfire along the way. Did you feel the same way about it? I don't feel it as strongly about it, um, but I do completely get what you're saying. I think the the writers kind of I th- I think they thought, okay, what do we have Teddy do? Well, we've got Kate, you know, in in Santa's workshop, you know, and figuring out, you know, getting winning over the elves and all that. Like we have to have Teddy do something. We can't just have it not, him not show him or whatever. Um, we have also have to have a reason for him not to be able to get into the bag and go mm, with her true. as well. So th- I, I, they wanted to keep those separate. So it's just like I get why they're doing what they're doing, but I do agree that it may not be like the best choice. You know, maybe you could have thought of something different, it, it, but, you know, um, it did lead to a relatively funny scene with the elves beating up all the, taking out the trash and throwing the guy in the compost, which was funny. Um, yeah, you know, that and was, that was. I, I think that scene, you know, as problematic as maybe, it, 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 and I, it's not really problematic, it's just not the, the best version of maybe what they could have done. Um, but I did love was Kate in santa's workshop and i loved the imagination that they had with how the bag works and um the fact that you know obviously santa's bag can't carry every single toy for every kid all night so there's this whole magical like vortex that the presents come out of the north pole and into the bag and then you know so i just i think that's all of that was really fun and then just even being in santa's workshop and i always enjoy the way that people kind of portray the North Pole. And what I kind of loved about this one is that it had a very, um, it honestly had a very Harry Potterish feel to it. Uh, it felt yeah. a little bit like Ollivanders or somewhere like that. Um, the way that they had all the letters set up and the, the filing, the little filing cabinets and everything. Like I thought all of that was really well done really well designed so that you got a good sense of the world of Santa without visiting the entire North Pole. You just got this taste, but it it, it felt really cool. It, you know, it, it felt like 18th century, 17th century type feel to it a little bit. Again, that Harry Potter-ish feel, and which makes sense with Chris Columbus a little bit. Um, but all of that stuff was really good. Um, it like you said, I think it was just the other side where it's like what they gave Teddy to do, not as good as it could have been. I wasn't particularly nuts about the. Um, I, I I thought that the elves existed in a strange place where they were caught between realism and cartoon, mm-hmm. and they never like they they straddled that line, and sometimes they straddled it okay, and sometimes it was not it it didn't play as well as i think they they wanted it to but the qualifier with that is that i think that the elves were funny enough 
Like I, I got legitimate chuckles out of that. The scene you're talking about where they, you know, they beat up all of the the gang members and everything. But even the one who's a you know constantly eating the candy canes and Santa's like, come on. But I love them so much. You know, and because uh, I'm not going to try to speak, uh, you know, elfish. Uh, as yeah, I haven't learned it yet, so I'm still working yeah. on it. Although I will say you pointed me to the Empire podcast where they interviewed Kurt Russell yeah, about yeah. this. That was a good one, too. Yeah, it was fantastic. And to find out how much of it he was, you know, he had a hand in in, in helping shape uh, in terms of the elves having their own language and that Santa would be fluent in it. They wouldn't be talking, you know, they wouldn't be because apparently in the original script, it wasn't written out as, you know, oh, now they're speaking a foreign language to each other that nobody else can speak. Um, I thought that was, that was so clever. And what I thought was, was even more fun about it was as a lifelong Star Wars fan, as you are, I revel in the, the gibberish languages that can come out of these things. And I think this one gets an A plus as a gibberish language, like, you know, Huttese or, or Jawa or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, I think um, the thing that I really liked about it is it kind of felt uh, like, you know, uh, Finnish or Swedish or one of those languages, you know, so it it felt like it had a reality to it. Um, And it makes sense, obviously, when you have, you know, um, Santa being in the North Pole, that the language of the elves and his language when he's, you know, even gets, he says to his wife at the end, you know, I I, I spoke a lot of English tonight. Uh, She's like, I heard, you know, but I, the (laughs) fact that they speak in this language all the time, because this is the language of the North Pole, it makes complete sense that it, it wouldn't be a language that we're familiar with. And so it would be language all its own. And I think to me, that's the thing, you know, mentioning with, you know, Kate being in the North pole, I think just the, the, I, I call it the Santa's workshop of it. What they created for Santa and the Santa lore was really well done. And so smart. Um, the magic of how he gets, uh, in, in the buildings and everything, um, the, uh, flight of the, slay and the and and the 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 wormhole effect that they have of of you know oh, the, the, wasn't that great it was so awesome i mean using the yeah. idea of the northern lights is 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 basically his um wormhole thoroughfare to the different cities so he can get there in seconds yeah. you know i i just i felt like they they actually sat down and like you mentioned you know kurt russell was a big part of this Sitting down, okay, figuring out if we're going to do a Santa movie, how do we add to the lore of Santa? Somebody who's existed for, you know, what, 1800 years in tradition? Um, yeah. From St. Nicholas himself all the way to now. How do we really make this feel unique? And I really enjoyed everything that they added to the lore of Santa, even to the fact that, you know, Kurt Russell's a guy that's in shape. Which makes more sense than a guy who's really, really fat, uh, trying to make toys, bending over a desk all day and stuff. You know, like um, it just it made more sense for this to be a a dude that uh, stays in shape. Yeah, and that that was I thought that was the that was such a great running gag how, how he got so bent out of shape every time he saw the portrayal of himself as 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 a big fat guy and he's just like come on a guy stays away from sugar he hits the gym you know like it's just or or when he stood up and he, he 
does my butt look big to you? Like the billboard adds eighty pounds. <laughs> yeah, just. <laughs> I, I absolutely love that, like how frustrating it would be for him that he, he has to look around and nobody he doesn't look he doesn't look like that. In in a way, you know what it it, it kind of reminds me of is uh um uh, uh the character name I think was Finn in uh, Tangled, where yes, his wanted yeah. posters were always wrong. Yes. He, he could like, no. never get my nose right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, and, uh, and then he gets that one where it's so awful. He's like, "Oh, now they're just being." Mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 but that's the thing is it's such a it's such a a small bit of stage business, but it's such a thoughtful one, and I think it speaks directly to you know what you're talking about that you can tell this was so thoughtful what they did, how they put it together, and how seriously they took it. To make this fun family movie, they knew that they're approaching a modern audience and that they were going to have to do it in such a way that caught them a little bit off guard. And it's it's one of those things where it just I I haven't been this delighted with a new Christmas holiday movie in quite a while. Like probably since Elf. Elf was the last time where I walked out of the theater. I was like, wow, I really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. I think I'm going to watch this constantly for christmas like how many years ago was that it was you know it wasn't a long time ago but it was long enough like you you would think with the glut of content that's out there it would be more common but it's actually less common than maybe it should be i gotta say too i mean now i can completely understand why marilyn monroe would sing santa baby (laughs) because you know I, uh, the the quaffed hair. I mean, the best hair Santa <laughs> I've ever seen. A a beard that is truly luscious. Um, yeah. and so yeah. I mean, I this is a Santa that I totally get in in that sense. Um, and I think it's yep. just like you said, it's just so much fun in that they're really enjoying what they're doing with the character of Santa Claus. And and I think you know. Kurt Russell said in that interview, you know, why would you do something like this if you aren't going to try and put your stamp on it and make a quote unquote definitive version of Santa Claus? And I think that they really have done a wonderful job of that, not only from kind of creating the Santa outfit, but in a way that feels more useful to him as a character. Mm -hmm. Um, creating a workshop uh, and we don't really see the workshop but you see his office basically um, where it looks it feels much more realistic in that sense and just the fun they had of creating the the idea that you know um, yes Santa doesn't just give you know toy trains and stuff but he literally he and his elves make people Mercedes and you know all those kind of things but on top of that, going all the way back to the beginning of our conversation that, you know, Santa also tries to help give people what they really want that's beyond materialistic, that's so much better, which is this relational aspect and bringing people together, uh, helping heal families and showing them and, and the idea of Christmas spirit, how we can be our best selves and not for our, for ourselves, but for each other. And I think, you know, when we think about the spirit of Christmas, that's really what this season is all about. It's not all about me. It's about us. 
together. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that about this film. And, you know, I think, um, I do think, you know, the question, is this a new Christmas classic? I know it is for me. I w- I've already watched this twice. I may watch it again just because it's on Netflix and it's super easy to pop on. And I've enjoyed it twice and I can't honestly wait to see it again. But what about you? Do you feel like this is a new Christmas classic for you and the Mills household? Immediately. Definitively. Without question. I wasn't even the first one to say it. Middle Child was the one who said, I think we should watch this every Christmas. And I said, you got it, sweetheart. Absolutely, we will. Uh, I have yet... Th- this is this is one of those things where it's fascinating to me sometimes how you can go through and you're never quite sure how people are going to respond to a piece of entertainment. But this is the first one in a bit where... Everybody I've spoken to who has experienced this has come out of it and said, yeah, I really like that. Like there's nobody said a like a bad word about this that I've interacted with. And I think that in and of itself speaks to its quality. I'm sure there are people who weren't bowled over with it. You know, different strokes for different I know folks one. and everything. Yeah. And that's fine. But it's really fun when you see sort of an overwhelming experience where regardless of anything else, everybody you personally run across says, yeah, I really like that. It's, it's mm-hmm. just fun. It, it, it's, it's this, in a sense, it, it spreads its Christmas spirit on itself because, you know, this is a shared experience that a bunch of people are enjoying with each other. I like that. Well, and uh, it was funny. We, uh, there's an article on Variety that was covering a bunch of topics about Netflix, and and the uh, the owner or whatever of Netflix came out and said uh, that the guy who runs Netflix, I have no idea, I don't remember, but I do remember what he said about Christmas Chronicles, and that it had been watched in a week over 20 million times. So it's a lot of views, and I I think this this is truly a movie that you can sit down in the, the the Christmas holidays and enjoy with the entire family. Think about that though. 20 million times. If this were a box office release and those same 20 million people paid money per ticket to view this, think of the box office behind that. Think of what an overwhelming success that is. And it's amazing because is this an indication is this a a turning point that people aren't quite realizing yes house of cards is a hit yes the marvel netflix shows are hits but is this the first breakout success of these original movies in this market that they're putting out there is this something where people are going to look back and retrospect and say that's the moment where it really became different because look at the numbers behind the people who were watching this, you know, like this isn't a niche thing anymore. This is a huge shared experience. That's pretty cool. Just did some quick math on a calculator. Cause I'm not that good. Oh, me neither. That, why do you think I left it nebulous and say, imagine the box office? Because I am not doing that in my head. Yeah. So I actually thought about that question though. And so I was thinking to myself, okay, what if 20 million people, watched this for 15 bucks each that's 300 million dollars 
Boom. Opening weekend. That's a lot of money, man. It's a lot of money. That's bigger than any opening that I've seen in a really long time. So, yeah. you know, I, I think, you know, this is a this is a film that proves that, one, people want movies like this, yeah. where they're safe for the whole family, honestly, and, and reminding us of what's truly important in the world. Um, but two that are, they're just doggone fun, you know? And so if you were going to rate the Christmas Chronicles, John, uh, what would you rate it? My analytical self gives it a four out of five. My emotional self gives it a big warm hug and sits down with it and shares a cup of eggnog because <laughs> that's how I feel about this movie. Where'd you, where'd you end up at? Um, I'm right there with you. I think it's four out of five. And um, yeah, I, I do feel like it's a, it's a big old cup of hot chocolate, you know, um, and mint hot chocolate at that. So the good stuff, uh, it's, it's great. <laughs> um, I, 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 this movie is, <laughs> I was joking with somebody on Twitter uh, the other day, but it really is just joyful and triumphant. Like that's, nice. that's the best way to put it. So if you were looking for that this holiday season or any holiday season, as you listen to this episode of the 602 club, hit up the, the Christmas Chronicles. Um, hopefully for you in the future, it's, it's still on Netflix or some sort of, you know, super streaming service that I don't even know is going to exist when we recorded this. Um, but it's, it's so much fun that we get to sit down and talk about these kind of things here on the show. And we get to do that because we have a great associate producers here through Patreon. Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millette, and Daniel Noah have been supporting the show for a long time now. And they do that because not only do they love the 602 Club, but they love everything we do here at Trek FM. Now, we don't make any money off of what we do here at Trek FM. Um, all the money we get through Patreon just goes to support us being able to put out these shows each and every week. It's a lot of money with the bandwidth that we have uh, through the service we use for the the shows as well as the, the just the website that we have and all of that. So we need your support. So go over to patreon.com slash trekfm, see how you can become part of the team. We have some great perks for you, uh, great contribution levels uh, that we have. But honestly, every little bit helps. So again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm. John, if anybody wants to catch up with you uh, out there on the interwebs and talk about what they're excited for Christmas or anything else that's going on, where can they find you? Well, gosh, you can find me out there on usually Twitter. Look for the username Kessel Junkie, K-E-S-S-E-L-J-U-N-K-I-E. I'm also over on the movie reviewing service uh, Letterboxd, and I'm also on Goodreads. That's actually where I spend most of my time online, but Kessel Junkie, you'll find me. Uh, and, of course, you can also find me uh, co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig. But you can also find me over on the Nerd Party Network uh, hosting, co-hosting a uh, show called Aggressive Negotiations, which is a Star Wars podcast that plums the nooks and crannies of a galaxy far, far away with a charming, charming Jedi Master by the name of Matthew Rushing. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to do that show with you. It is so much fun every week, and I do hope that people will check it out. Um, while I'm not doing that uh, with you, I'm also doing Owl Post over there with Drea Kaufman each and every week talking about Harry Potter 
one chapter at a time. And here on the network, I also do uh, The Orb with Chris Jones talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And then I have one more show that I do with my good friend Courtney, and that is called Cinema Stories. And we talk all about films through the ones of faith. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now here 